The VC Show, let's go. Welcome to the VC Show presented by Caesar Sportsbook on Omaha Audio. I'm Vince Carter alongside Roz Goldon Wood. Hey, Roz, good seeing you again. Hey, and by the way, you're killing it in the WNBA uh, fi- uh, playoffs right now. Great job. How are you? I'm sure you're tired, exhausted, one coast to the other. Hey, that's what bosses do, though, right? <laughs> yeah, that's that time of year, you know, and my life is both WNBA and NBA. So, you know, WNBA season, right now we're in the heart of playoffs. So it's basically back and forth from city to city. I'm covering the Chicago Sky and Connecticut Sun Series on the East Coast. Um, and then, man, I'm telling you, that Aces uh, Seattle Storm game. Man. Woo, it was crazy. I had my whole Twitter going nuts. And I'll tell you, I. You know, I, I'm sure you saw my tweet. I, I I didn't see the actual game, and and I was just scrolling through, scrolling through, and I see Sue Bird. You know, and I did a commercial, the, the uh, Corona commercial. So anytime I see Sue Bird, I just check up, see what's going on with her. And they said clutch, so I was like, let me see what clutch is doing right now. And I see the play run, and immediately I was like, yo, that's the exact exact same play diagram like I had uh, with the Mavericks versus the Spurs in the same corner, falling out of bounds, and she knocks it down. And I'm just like, yo, that's crazy. Uh, and, so I, I, and, and so I had to tweet about it, and I had to kind of, you know, show it some love. And, and just, you know, I, I tweeted ESPN, like, yo, this play looks really, really f- familiar with a pretty cool result. And, you know, she's the GOAT. And, and I mean, this is that's the way to go out. I mean, obviously, they lost the game. Asia uh, Wilson has been balling out of her mind. So is Stewie. But, man... To see, you know, Sue do things like that in her final year, you know, you know, we all want to say, hey, you could do one more. You know, when you see clutch like clutch shots like that, you always say, hey, you got, you got, you know, I, you, I hear it all the time. Hey, you still got yeah. some left, you know. So it's just <laughs> no, no, no. We'll talk about that too because Sue's not the only one that this year is walking away from her collective craft. Right. I mean. Serena Williams doing that uh, on a big stage. And then again, at the end of, of her match at the U.S. Open, they asked her, are you sure? Because you look pretty good. <laughs> and and that moment of, do I? Don't I? Like, so absolutely, we'll get to that kind of how do we know or how do you know as an elite athlete when it's time to go? Uh, but first, let's start with the, the athletes that are, you know, Still kicking, still moving. We got a lot coming up out of Cleveland. Obviously, um, the big trade was Donovan Mitchell to the Cleveland Cavaliers. And uh, basically, Mitchell was the only player that Cleveland got from the Jazz. They did get get, uh, three unprotected first-round picks. And also, of course, Colin Colin Sexton uh, also included Laurie Markkinen um, and a bunch of other stuff in the package. So it's Sexton um, who'll sign a four-year, $72 million contract uh, according to reports with the jazz so i mean i me i was like i was shocked because i was like wait i thought something was happening with the knicks right <laughs> right that's and that's what's crazy coach so when i heard i was like i started saw you know hear people donovan mitchell i was like oh so they got the knicks deal done and then i see you know i go to twitter and see cleveland 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 then mitchell i'm like wait wait what <laughs> so so for me Roz, i'm gonna say you know Prior to, I was, you know, I, I knew Sexton was healthy. You know, see the videos of him working on the summer. So it brought up a question for me. 
What is Cleveland going to do with Colin Sexton and Garland? With Garland, you know, playing all-star level, you know, how is that going to work? Are you going to play a small uh, duo with those two, or are is is are or are they going to move him? You know, is, is his time up in Cleveland? And they answer that question with a bang. <laughs> Right, right. Uh, but when I saw it coming to the Cavs, when I saw Donovan Mitchell going to the Cavs, I mean, my first thought was awesome, more young, hungry, high character players of superstar, legit potential going to a core of young guys who have bought into a system um, who are also, you know, very egoless and hungry to do well under a system that J.B. Bickerstaff built and created a culture there of winning, more youthfulness. It actually, when I heard it, I, my first reaction, like I said, was, yo, come on, not not this happening to the Knicks again. But then second, I was like, <laughs> but then second, I was like the Cavs? They, might, yeah, they were already, you know, quote unquote, ahead of schedule. Now I'm like, Hey, how do we got to be looking at the Cavs right now? Um, you know, one thing I like about Donovan Mitchell, I think Donovan Mitchell having time with Mike Conley, and I say this because I know Mike Conley, helped him grow as a, an all-around player. He was a point guard. He played the point guard position prior to Mike. I think Mike helped him, him uh, Donovan Mitchell, that is, run a team. And I think that's going to be great for him because he's a go-to guy, and he can now be the primary ball handler handler for Garland as well because those are two guys who are dynamic scorers but I'm just interested to see if all of these young guys that when you get a lot of talent and guys who can put the ball in the basket there there comes sacrifice and that's that's my question with that can these guys will these guys sacrifice and it's going to sound great right now in in the honeymoon stage and I'd call it honeymoon stage you know off season preseason training camp all of that stuff when you get to the regular season Will everybody buy in to understanding their role? Because they have a lot of scores. Mobley, who who was right there, I think, you know, as far as rookie of the year. Uh, Karis LeVert, another guy who can get you a bucket. I mean, you can bring him with the second unit. So you have a lot of scoring and mix can mix and match these guys. So I'm just curious to see how can they buy in and, and work together. I mean, you have a lot of talent there. Uh, and, but if they do, and they're playing like they did in, in, in the postseason, or not even a postseason near the end of the season, the way they play, they're going to make some noise. I don't know if they're going to get go deeper in, but they're going to make some noise. For me, I'm just thinking that what does this mean for the Jazz? You know, like I'm looking – so I'm happy for Donovan Mitchell first and foremost. Clearly what the current last season's like format of or version of, of the Jazz, it just was kind of hitting the same wall. And there were interior issues that were um, constantly coming up. They weren't able to just play through it, you know, and, and that matters too. Like it does translate to the court eventually if if the team isn't cohesive or, or at least committed to being uh, going to war together as brothers. Even if I don't like you as a friend, all right, I respect you and I'm going to go this way. So they just kept, they couldn't get over that hump. And I actually think a good shakeup at an early point of you know Donovan's career could be really healthy and exciting for him. We've seen his potential, um, and I also found that even though I do believe as a New Yorker and maybe I am biased, I do believe New York has the potential to blow up a superstar because I'm probably biased. I just think New York is where you know 
a concrete what is it concrete jungle where dreams are made of you it's, know like it's, and it's needed it's the truth it's needed right. i mean but i found i found him going to the calves i was like actually that might end up being a more fruitful situation for him immediately and right away and for that team to continue their upward projection like do you see the calves like like does what does this turn them into a legit contender in the east or contender i don't know um uh. They have a lot. Like this, I just I I think they have the pieces. Can they put it together for a season to buy in and uh, to, can they buy in for a season to get what they're trying to accomplish? Like I say, it, it's easy to talk about. You look at Jared Allen. So you have a rim protector, he, you know, he, a, a, a rim runner, Mobley, a shot blocker as well, can score. You have Karis LeVert, Garland, uh, Mitchell. So it's plenty of scoring. Uh, Coro is. Um, you know, is your three and D, you, you guys. So you have everything you need to win a championship. It's just, can you put it together? Uh, is the question. You know, it's wait and see. I just don't want to say sit there and say, ooh, they're they can make. I I think they'll make some noise. I I really believe that because you know, there's a lot been said about Donovan Mitchell. Is one thing I know he works hard and he asks questions and he wants to be a great player. And yeah. and Darius Garland, I look at another guy who I you know had the opportunity to have conversation with. He's the same way. He just wants to win and be the best player he can be. So if those two guys can can collaborate and get everybody on board to buy in for the uh, you know for the, the bigger picture, look out. Yeah, I, I'm 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 predicting and I'm I'm believing that you know there's already a culture in place, I, and I think yeah. is the type to come in and and want to be a part of to that. Buy in. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm excited for that, but I'm worried about this. Should I be worried about New York? I feel like this is like a every two to three years kind of storyline where <laughs> New York is now missing out on the big prize. And like besides Jalen Brunson and re-signing RJ Barrett, I'm kinda like which is nothing to sneeze at, by the way. I'm kinda but there was much ado about nothing, I guess, again, for the Knicks. Are, should what does this mean for New York as a as a destination? And and then it then to add to that, they get Cam Reddish, another athletic uh two way player, you know up and coming they're talking about potentially moving him losing i mean so you just it's just always no, like you say it's just a roller coaster big names like but that's but, but, but that's what i'm saying it's just yeah. with, with, <laughs> not getting the big names and then pieces falling apart on you know here there which can crumble the entire operation is what I'm, that's what I, that's what i'm getting at so i, I don't know I, I i mean you grew up a knicks fan yeah it's like by default so, so yeah i mean i can I, that's I, I guess it's a question for you it's like how do you see, like? What do you what do you feel? I, I mean, obviously, I think everybody saw Stephen Stephen A. Smith and, and his reaction to it. Who's a diehard Knicks fan? It's just like here we go again. And I, I think we sit back and you know playing against the Knicks, and I played against the Knicks where they were still good. I mean, I'm talking about LJ. You know, against me in, in the playoffs, and they beat us, and we were able to you know beat those with um, Spreewell. So I remember when the Knicks were doing doing the thing. So. <laughs> it's just crazy to kind of see it because I I think you know obviously when the Knicks are are are, are winning and they have a superstar he's going to do well I mean it's a lot of pressure playing New York you know and I think he can handle it but it's just unfortunate I don't know what to tell New York right now yeah no. I mean I think for me at some point this summer as a could you know a, a woman who's born in Queens New York City like my my life growing up, it's not even like, oh, were we the type of Knicks fans that went to a game at Madison Square Garden? No, we were poor. <laughs> but we knew enough 
to be Knicks fans. Like right. you would have gear that was like orange and blue or, or like you went to a Knicks community camp in the summer or you had a beanie that said Knicks in the winter and you had some gloves and my dad was an immigrant like he he's from Nigeria like he didn't really watch basketball but mm-hmm. even he had a Knicks beanie like you just, it's just part of something you did you know and and to think of, to say Nets was I mean that was like New Jersey like that wasn't even a thought so here I was this summer, actually snickering in the group chat, like, because we do have some, some Nets fans in there, and there's no shade to the Nets, respect to them, a lot of love for the players in the organization. I'm just speaking about my childhood upbringing. So um, I was actually thinking, like, when it wasn't clear what Kyrie or KD really was going to do, and there was still, like, room for the Knicks Whispers. to be spicy mm-hmm. in the summer. I was actually like thinking like, okay, well that whole little Brooklyn Nets thing, that was short lived. Here we go. <laughs> right back in action. The stars come to the Mecca, the garden. That's where right. that's where it happens. And then and then it's just it's just part of, you know, there's a meme of like the cycle of being a Knicks fan where where yes, um, you go through like defeat, embarrassment, grief, anger, a hope, <laughs> belief. And then, like, heartbreak again. And it's just like, where are you on the cycle of a Knicks fan? And I think that, you know what I'm going to say? I love Knicks fans because it feels like no matter how much mm, letdown there might be, we, we a hopeful bunch. And I think that comes from being from New York. You got a lot of heart to keep getting on this bandwagon and believing that and this believe. is our year. Yep. <laughs> we think this is our year. We was like, Donovan Mitchell, let's go, babies. Put him on a put him on a board. Let's go. Put him in, in Times Square. But it didn't work out. And to answer your question, like, that's how I feel as a New York City born and raised looking you at the hanging Knicks. There. You hanging there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and I'm gonna say this last thing. You, you think about the the success the Knicks had a couple of years ago. Obviously, they didn't do well and play well in the playoffs against the Hawks. I, I covered that series, and you know it was a disappointment for the great season that they had. And you felt like, okay, the following year, you know, they, you know, obviously they're not going to surprise anybody with how hard they played and you know what they could do. And this the disappointment. It's kind of like that roller coaster, like you say. It was like here we go, here we go, and then it's like, oh no. It's gone there. So, I, I, I mean, I'm interested to see what, you know, the, the response to these players. I mean, they're prideful players on the team. Julius Randle, who I know, he's very prideful. So look for them to That's kind of make it a fight early. That's an interesting point, too, because I, I just think one thing that um, really helps is at least now everybody has some clarity. You know, imagine you're going this whole point. You don't know, like, am I still going to be with the Knicks? Am I going to be wrapped up in a package? Yeah. You know, like at least you know what core you're pretty much building with and you start to plan out around it. And remember, these are players who, um, you know, have had breakout seasons, who have had success in the last year or two. Maybe it was broken off in the last year. But um, I think you just like dive back, double down on the identity, get back into the defense and, and play for each other. Like that's all you can control. So, And, and I do like hey, RJ hey, there. I got to throw that out there. Yeah, shout out to RJ Barrett. I do like. I, I really I, like. I, I like RJ, but he's you know, he's growing. He's ascending. So, you know, hopefully they can just put that talent with Jalen Brunson, and good things can happen for your Knicks. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and you know what, Brunson's a great, is, a, is a great story that you know yeah. New Yorkers New Yorkers can get behind. You know, for sure. We 
we like somebody who's who's overcoming and, and exceeding expectations or people who right have counted who have said that uh what's the word? What's the word? Underestimate somebody and look. Yeah. Jalen has made a real niche and a very nice career for himself. The VC show is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet you get. With Caesar's rewards, must be 21 or older. All right. Moving on because the basketball is getting global. Eurobasket. <laughs> 2022, full effect right now. Um, and you can catch all the action on ESPN+. Plus. Got a plug in there. Um, but right. it's been, you know, well it, it, it really shows the globalization of the game because NBA superstars are on display. Like, if you turned it on, it's not like you wouldn't know who was out there on the court. You got Giannis, you got Luka, you got Jokic and Gobert. You know, it's so much talent internationally. Which which of these players do you trust, like, to win this tournament? I mean, it, it, you think of the stars of the stars who've and, – and you just named Giannis, Jokic, Luka. And you think of what they're doing there, but think of what they, they've done hey, say, in the you're not NBA. Say go bear you're not gonna, I said Gobert, too. Wait, wait, wait. Hear what, hear what I'm saying, but, like, I'm talking about MVPs. I said Gobert, too. He's a POI. Don't be disrespectful. I'm not being disrespectful. I'm talking. I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking offense. Oh, he has six championships, baby. Don't leave out no, Gobert. No, I agree. You sent him to the big fella, you know. But no, I'm just saying. But you think of those three for sure, like two-time MVP, uh, you know, in Jokic, and you think of the MVP and Luca doing what he's doing, and then you know, so it's hard to to kind of pick who has the best supporting cast. Um, it is the question. I. I they're the stars of the stars, and 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 I think globally, you know, I, I, it's been said for a long time, and I, I can think back when I was who getting drafted. Who do you think is a bigger global superstar? Like, who do you think of all these international stars? We often talk about who's a superstar. I mean, clearly they've transcended in the U.S. and internationally. But of those four, you know, big award-winning NBA players who are international players, Giannis, Lukic, uh, sorry, Luca, Jokic, and Jokic. and Rudy Gobert, who do you think is like? biggest star power and superstar of that group that's tough that's tough i mean i mean obviously you know there's a lot of people saying Giannis is the best in in the game or right there is the best in the game but and luca's doing what luca does <laughs> and 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 <laughs> but i have to, I, right now it's 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 tough it's it is weird I'm, I'm gonna say it it's weird to me, when you talk about big men, I mean, I think of Shaq when he dominated. He was absolutely considered one of the best in the game. And I think right now, how can you not give credit to the reigning MVP? Oh wow! So I, you I just superstar of them. I think. Is, I, 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 I think, and he's just he's he's a super, and I think he's a superstar in his own right because he's not the flashy guy, but he yeah. gets it done. I, I he love gets that it answer. done. I, I, you know what, Vince? Coming from someone like you, like no greater compliment could be paid. And I think, you know, that was part of the argument um, mm -hmm. for some people around Jokic's MVP campaign this past year, where people said, "Hey, we don't don't only pay attention to quote unquote flash or 
you know, sizzle reels or is someone more um, marketable or flashy as a name or something like, look at what this guy is doing night in and night out, both on the court watching and also statistically and analytically. Yeah. And, and, and so sometimes, you know, people would say maybe Jokic was uh, getting lost in that. I'm, I'm glad to see you point that out. But I, I, I want to say that like, Giannis is right, like on his heels. So let's not. I mean, because I know people sitting here like, "What you crazy, Giannis? What Luca? It, it's it's. Well, I mean, it's, we're it's, we're, it's, we're splitting it's, hairs, man. I, oh, I, I'm look, sticking with Jokic because I'm, I'm like, I, and, and I I was right there. I was, I was like, bro, no. Huh? And I'm asking you, and it's not even it's like it's actually a cool little question. Like of these award winning NBA award winning national players of. Giannis Antetokounmpo, Luka Doncic, Nikola Jokic, and Rudy Gobert. Who do you think of those international players has the most overall star power? Overall star power, I think goes to Giannis. Then, or Giannis, then it's Giannis or Luka. When you talk about overall star power, I'm th- no, I was okay. thinking more of the actual game, the game, game the okay. game, and what they're doing. So, no, uh, now when you say it that way, overall, I think I'm, I'm gonna say Giannis, Luka. More, I mean, Giannis, obviously, because he's won a championship and what he's done and his dominant, how dominant he is in the game. So I'm, I'm gonna go. I, I, I will say Giannis. Okay. I, first of all, I think you know all four of these men. I've had a chance to interview and and get mm-hmm. and get a little bit of their life stories. They're all quite fascinating. Um, but I think one, like the more publicly known, I mean, Giannis's story of literally yeah. selling. Yeah. CDs, fruit, and watches in Greece with his brothers and his mom on the street to NBA stardom, mega millions, life-changing, inspiration, and also his story of like coming into the league and not necessarily being ready built like he had to grow you saw the pictures of how his body has transformed every year he has improved in fact Giannis improved last season you know that was something I was talking to some of his teammates last year and they were like it's crazy that nobody like they felt like quote unquote people weren't seriously talking about Giannis as an MVP because most of the conversation was going to Joel and Jokic um, and they were pointing out it's crazy because Giannis actually has improved on top of campaigns so it's like so to come back to i just think Giannis. while i don't think any regular joe schmo could be Giannis, i think the story of his hard work his improvement year to year and that with that dreams can come true that unprobable starts does not mean that does not define your finish is something that a lot of us can can hold on to and grasp and that's why i think he's got i don't want to say the wrong the wrong brand but he's got a uh a nice movie deal about his life because yeah. I forget uh, with his brothers, right? That's right. With his, That's right. His brothers. Another cool thing, though, Luca's Luca might be right there too because That's what I'm saying. You know, Luca's game. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick a move, but I'm gonna say like Luca's right there too because I don't know. Luca's game feels a little approachable um, in the sense like Luca Luca with that slow step back and. And the, the power of his body, it's like it's a different kind of athleticism that he shows mm-hmm. out there. It's not necessarily about uh, being the fastest as much as it is about, like, utiliz- utilizing his body and being strong and having great finesse and footwork and explosions of bursts of speed. Like, I don't know. I feel like it's a very elite, high-level, um, like, extraordinary version of, like, 
maybe your uncle's game at the YMCA, but like the most elite, <laughs> right, 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 version of that. Right, 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 right. <laughs> and and the one thing about Luca is, you know, and I, I agree with a lot of things you're saying, is that his ability to dictate the pace that he wants to play. That like we're gonna play we're gonna play this slowdown game. I'm getting to that step back. You know, you know it's coming, but can you stop it? It's like one of those like I'm sitting there live watching it as a player because I watch game. You know, I, I tend to watch players and I scout. Like it's just that's just a part of me for so many years. And I'm like, okay, here it comes, here it comes, and you know it comes. But he does a great job of just little movements, subtle movements, low with the head fake, the shoulder fake, different things just to create that much space. Because once he gets to a step back. And you're late, unless you have arms like Giannis and athletic ability like Giannis or somebody like that, you're not getting to that. How many people you see blocking that shot? Now, I will say Andrew Wiggins did a phenomenal job of making him uncomfortable. You know, one thing I've taken from my guy Tony Allen, he says, he said, as a defender, guys go in the gym and work on their moves and 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 they're not uncomfortable. But when you get guys uncomfortable doing things that they don't work on in the game, that's when you get the best of them. And that's what, you know, you have to do to star players. And, you know, pl playing against Tony Allen and playing with him, watching just guys make them do things that they don't like to do. That's why he was so great at because he watched film. And you could, like, like I said, some of these elite stars that you just named, you can watch film and sometimes you just hope they have a bad night and you have to take advantage of it as well because these guys are unstoppable. Like we watch, you can sit at home and say, man, I know the step back coming. All you got to do is just stay down and be disciplined. Okay. All you gotta do. And, yeah. Until you sit there live and you're like, okay. And he gives you a quick step to the right first. Then he goes to the step back. Then what? You know, so it's just it's just amazing how he dictates, dictates the pace that he wants to play. Because you don't see many guys play like that. That's a very cool insight and breakdown of like, because you, know, you I, I absolutely am there. Like, you know that step back is coming, but how come you can't stop it? So that's How like come you cool can't stop it? I say it all the time. It's like, here it comes. Yep. yep. And, and and all the little things that make a difference in getting it off. But, you know, to keep it moving, um, all this globalization and international, you know, uh, movement of the game of basketball, which the NBA has intentionally really built the game out. Um, it also has moved to Africa. And this is near and dear to my heart, you know, with the, the creation and formation of NBA Africa, um, which also includes the BAL, Basketball Africa League. Um, where it's not just about putting together basketball games in Africa. It's also about building up the infrastructure there, like building up the courts, um, building up the facilities, the training facilities, um, training better coaches, training better refs, um, and helping create an infrastructure where there can be a pipeline of hoopers even at a younger age. And then, of course, there's the economic impact of that, like, um, there's how many bodies are in the continent of Africa, let alone all the countries. And then, um, you know, potentially finding their love for the game. And of course, them wanting to watch the game, the TV deals, the, the money for content and all of that. And so it's 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 so much. And I and I and I truly believe the investment is not just one that the NBA would win off of. It's something that I think will help and trickle down and trickle into um you know, the entire um, continent, really, because it is a, a an African mission. And just, you know, um, like, I, I think it's exciting, all of the opportunity coming there. And so we've seen Joel Embiid come out of Africa. 
we've seen Pascal Siakam. Like these are just examples. You know, I can name others. It's you know, you got on the on your fingertips legends and and current. But that's some of these players that are in the NBA. Like some of them didn't even start until late in their career. That in like, high school, like yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Like, and like it's not like they were at the park across from their street hooping at the courts mm-hmm. at the age of six. Like that's not part of a lot of these guys' stories. Imagine, imagine if there was infrastructure, facilities, great coaching at younger ages. You look at just even the bodies of Africans. Like, I truly believe that give it, it's going to take some time for that to, to, to build. So maybe 10 to 15 years, maybe 20 years, we start to see Africa as a real, um, as, as a real place where like great hoopers come from, much like we see the finesse and beauty of like, European hoopers, I think it could be a powerhouse. What do you think? I, I, I think it's important for all of the things you, you, you've said, for sure. And I, I also think it is extremely important to build that, those things that you talked about, having the, a game in Africa somewhere, because seeing is believing. When guys, when, when they get the opportunity to actually see it live and see guys come, you know, and, and play live, it, it, you know, the NBA backs it, puts money into it because, you know, it's a, it's, it's a big deal when, you know, the NBA comes to town to play. I, I'm getting the opportunity to go to Abu Dhabi and, you know, they obviously, they have a, a, a wealth and, and money, but it's still the NBA makes it a big festival, a big to do. And, and I think if you, you continue to put the, the, the game live there, uh, and like maybe a preseason, it will do wonders because it's starting to bring eyes, it's bringing TV, bringing bodies, and and just continuing for these young young African kids to see the game and maybe see their favorite player. I mean, obviously we know what Matumbo does in Africa is out of this world, but I got an opportunity to uh, to watch the young Africans play in the junior junior NBA, and when I tell you these young kids, man, let me tell you. We, that's one thing we talked. We, we talked about the Americans. This was probably like five years ago, but the, the we, we talked about Team Africa and what we, we said. We're going to see a few of these young men, obviously in college and potentially in pro, just because the game is growing and you know just getting eyes on the game and the love. Because you can say you can watch now. You can be proud to say Joel Embiid, Pascal Siakam, and so on and so. Like you said, the laundry list of guys now doing not just in the NBA, which is you know a sense of pride, but we're talking about Joel Embiid <laughs> on the cusp of, of MVP twice. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, you, you're watching one of the biggest festivities that the basketball has to offer outside of the playoffs is All Star Weekend, and you can see now Pascal Siakam. You know, so it's just it's just it's just an awesome thing and, and it's going to it's going to grow because i think the nba is now backing it and it's going to generate and put money into this absolutely and i think what, that's a huge deal what you're saying like the nba investing into africa is a huge signal to everyone else i mean the nba doesn't play they're not putting anything they're not investing into anything that that, that isn't solid a wholesome good value smart like like it signals to the rest of the world hey Big players are coming here, and the rest of the world will come too. Other brands, other Absolutely. companies. I think, I think it can be um, very impactful. And and in time, you know, I think Africa as a continent and 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 all you know the countries within it, like I think, um, can produce many more Joel Embiid's and Pascal Siakam's. I say that respectfully in the sense that many more high caliber, talented players. Um, you know, I played African basketball. I played for the Nigerian national team. 
and I've played against European players, American players, WNBA players, and African players. And absolutely, like, I noticed a difference in the style. Like, there was a lot of talent, a lot of raw talent. African basketball was fast. It was a little rough, like, physical, like, you know, fouls and bumping. Um, it, it wasn't necessarily super finesse. And I think that's a, a common theme you see where, like, African players, we haven't seen a great point guard <laughs> come out of Africa yet, but we've seen a lot of great rebounders and shot blockers and runners and defense. Like, so as, as the infrastructure comes for increased coaching and skill work and having, like one thing I noticed when I was training in Nigeria, there weren't many like basketball courts, like with proper floor and indoor court that was even that you could practice on. Right. Where I was, there was like one or something like, I don't want to say that, but I, I know there wasn't like 15 in the town next right. door. Another right. court that I that I saw was we practiced outdoors sometimes, like in dust. So that that really has a long way to go. And uh, the NBA is investing there. And I'm very excited for the future. Um, now, Vince, come back. Wanna... Raj, you're making a comeback? <laughs> Not me. Okay. Not who, I, who I am. <laughs> you know who I am curious about? might be making a comeback or not. We said at the top of the show, after watching that fire Seattle Storm, Las Vegas Aces game, Sue Bird. So, like, let, let's just st- start with the game first and we'll just quickly go through it. So, the last, like, less than 20 seconds, like, less than 15, maybe it was 10 seconds, 11 seconds or something, it was just in, of regulation. The game went to overtime and the Aces ended up, like, blowing them off and winning in overtime. They got all the momentum. But those last seconds of regulation was like one big play after another big play. Uh, I think it was Raquana Williams three. Then missed free throws from Tina Charles. Then we're going the other way and Asia Wilson takes it to the basket. 6.9 of Asia Wilson, right. Yeah, I do remember that. In the game too. And then from there, come back down. Sue Bird holding the follow through. And she get that three in the corner. And I for sure thought it was done. I, every time I tweeted, I was wrong. Something else happened. Like I was like, oh, Sue Bird, hold that up. Oh, and then the other side, defensive mishap and miscommunication. And Jackie Young sends the game to regulation. And I think I'll ask you what your biggest takeaway was. But I think for me, it was first of all, both coaches. Shout out to Becky Hammond and Noel Quinn. With, with great execution down the stretch. I thought in particular, um, Becky Hammond's, you know, at a timeout play calls were flawless. It could, it was something like, I'm sure Greg Popovich sent her a, a, a bouquet of flowers or a, a muffin basket or, or wine, actually. I know that's what you said. A muffin basket. I don't know. What do people say? No. Well. But just to say, hey, Great job. And it just, I, LeBron James tweeted about Becky Hammond, and, and it just made, raised a lot of eyebrows. Like, hey, y'all, she out here coaching her tail off. This is the, now the coach of the year in the WNBA. And she could probably do it at the NBA, too. How about that? All right, people, we're brought to you by Caesars Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app ever, and honestly, the only one you need. It's not just about the big bonuses and boosts and promos that you get. It's the fact that every time you bet, whether you win or lose, you're earning towards the types of perks only Caesars can offer, free stays, concert tickets, bonuses, and more. That's because when you download the Caesars Sportsbook app, you become a Caesars Rewards member, and that means perks. Must be 21 or older to gamble. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-522-4700.
You're right about that. I mean, because she has the knowledge and the ability. And I, I think if she continues to dominate, they're gonna more people are going to continue to say what you just said. She could have done this in the NBA. And, and I think there's a lot of people who are confident about it. And, you know, you know how this works when you get the backing of LeBron and some of these superstars who are recognizing and noticing and paying homage to her, you know, her, to to her coaching abilities, her out of timeout abilities. And like you said, I'm sure Greg Popovich is sitting back smiling like, that's my girl. That's what I'm talking about. Let them know who you are and what you can do. Soon you will see Becky Hammond in the NBA coaching. What do you what did you think about watching that game coming down the stretch like that? I felt like we all watched it together as a family and everyone was tweeting about it. <laughs> right. It's, 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 that's what I'm saying. It's just, you know, I, I got to, like I said, I got I had to watch the replay because I I wanted to see how did it get to that last second shot. And I saw, you know, Asia Wilson was was trending, so I was like, Okay, let me look at Asia. Oh, wait a minute, body to the left, jump hook, you know, like it's just <laughs> crazy. And it, you know, we didn't even talk about Brianna Stewart, who's been a killer all season long. So it's just like superstar after superstar making big plays, living in the moment. And that's what the playoffs are about. And that's why I'm, I'm glad we're talking about this, showing them love because like everybody was like, you know, for me, for sure. And and, they, and she didn't win. We talk about Sue Bird doing what Sue Bird does and you know, on her way out. And I, I said, it. I was like, I was telling my friends, she still got it. She could do one more year because I heard it all the time. So it's yeah. fun being on the other side saying about somebody else. Yeah, you actually you you tweeted you thought that play that Sue hit the, the three in the corner looked familiar. I said it looks like real a familiar. Yeah. <laughs> real familiar. What did it remind you of? It reminded me of this this play that um um uh, Rick Carlisle drew up that was probably for Monte Ellis first and Dirk second. And I just happened to be the third option that was open. And uh, yeah, but just being in the moment, and it, it was a it was a great lesson to I could tell guys, and I, I wanted to say that that the play wasn't for me. I was the third option, but I ran the play like it was for me to do my job, selling the play if need be to get the guys who it was for open. Well, they did a great job of scouting, of course, Greg Popovich, and the third option was the play, and I was still ready. It wasn't pouting. I was ready. Got the ball, one little fake. Shot the ball goes in. So when I saw Sue, I was like, "Yo, this is crazy seeing this." I was like, and that's why I, I, I think ESPN post. I was like, "Yo, this looked real familiar with the great ending from a goat and a legend." So it was just cool to see, and you know, it was, it, was, it, was, it was a fun trip down memory lane, which I think a lot of Mavs fans enjoyed seeing that tweet and then seeing that shot and kind of can compare the two. Absolutely, and. You know, for Sue, I, I almost thought, okay, that's more part of a fairy tale ending. That's going to be part of the legacy. But then in overtime, you know, they, the Aces just kind of like blew it away with Chelsea Gray and Kelsey Plum <clears throat> taking off to the races. But still, um, you know, they're still in it um, and fighting for a chance in a five-game series now to have a chance to go to the finals. But, you know, much to your point, Sue's been playing some very inspired basketball. Sue Bird. Um, I believe it's 42, I want to say. And yeah, uh, already said that she is going to leave, you know, retire after this season. And then, you know, you were like, dang, maybe she could go more. Same kind of thing happened for Serena Williams, who came into uh, the U.S. Yes. Open and played, you know, vintage-inspired, um, legendary, high-level tennis, um, only to be defeated, uh, but in, in a truly, like, epic showdown. And... Just have and and overcoming the number two player in the world, which was not expected. Even that first round win wasn't necessarily expected. So, um, 
in the post post uh, match interview with Serena, you know, my read of it because she they were like, you know, are you sure you're done? And, and you know, first of all, Serena was like, these are happy tears. I think I don't know. And I I watched someone publicly in probably one of the most real moments, like you might wrap your mind around, all right, I'm walking away and I'm retiring. But when the moment hits you that, damn. This is it. This is it. You know, and then they said microphone in your face. And like Serena had to uh, find a way to be poised and answer these questions. And also I wanted to give the right appreciation to to her family, to her, to the fans, to everybody and also like taking it i just saw like so much being processed and i was like baby take your time like we love you thank you like mm-hmm. and, and 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 it seemed like she kind of like it was i don't think she was being coy i think she literally was just like all over the place and and some of us like serena coming back but but i i think she's probably really done i i believe her when she said she was going to evolve from tennis into her life as as a mother, as an investor. And um, I think when I think about Sue Bird and, and Serena Williams, and I'm gonna throw Sylvia Fowles, who's also retiring, mm-hmm. these Shout wonderful, out to her. you know, uh, game-changing female athletes walking away. I'm excited for them to have the chance to like walk into this new chapter of their life and they owe right. nothing to us. And mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm happy that they still played well in their last season so that they could walk away on top. I'm with it. I, I agree with you 1 million percent. And, you know, like you said, they don't, they don't owe us anything, but they've given us so much. I mean, what Venus and Serena has done for, for tennis and, you know, you know how many eyes, uh, ha, ha, has been on tennis because of them. You know how many eyes. It was must-see TV. ESPN was promoting Serena playing at 7 p.m. Don't miss it. Put it in your schedule. Like, uh, it, it's it's just paying homage to a legend. It's like, you know, oh, right, oh, shoot, she's playing. I'm watching it. I'm making sure I'm available, and I'm watching it because I want to see her do her thing. And, you know, and everybody wants to see, you know, a legend going against the young guns. She she beats the number two player in in in, in the world, and you're like okay, and and watching that, and I found myself in that second set, uh, uh in, the, in the next match, and she was fighting to just to win that, and you could just tell she gave everything, and she was gassed, and I was like, I don't know if she could do it. It's like anxiety, like it's just like your own child is out there, you know. This is a grown woman, but it's like because you want her to do so well. And I'm gonna throw another person. It's like Tiger, you know, when Tiger made his comeback and playing well, we all were rooting for it for the people who didn't watch golf, but you watching Tiger just because you want to see him do well. And it's like that for Serena. But I mean, the, the, what she's done for the game, you know, she's, she's, she's probably no, there's no probably she's the greatest player uh, to play the, the sport and what, and she's inspired, you know, I know Coco golf uh, and her family. And I know what Serena means to Coco. And I tell you, Roz, I wanted to see a Venus versus Coco match and i thought that would have been an unbelievable experience for for coco but a great send-off however yeah. it ended you know to see like the goat walking into the sunset and a new young star in coco who really admire and i there's, there's, i'm sure there's a lot of players in uh you know in in the, in the open that it look up to her but i just know personally of coco and you know so i'm rooting for her 
Absolutely. And I think, you know, watching Coco show so much emotion in her match and, and in her victory, like, I found myself feeling really encouraged. Like, okay, we mourn the loss of a, a generational talent across not just tennis, but sports and Serena Williams retiring or evolving away from the game. But um, the future is bright, you know? It and is. so I found that really exciting. And, like, I'll just say, like, watching Serena, that especially for the match against the, uh, the number two player, um, well, I'm not the biggest ten. I'm like, who, who was it? But, <laughs> like, I, I, so, like, I feel like as a family, again, I was actually working a WNBA game during that time, so I had to lock in on my job. But, you know, you could see through Twitter, like, how things were going. Right. And later, watching it, later watching it back and – you're watching a woman who is a mother who is, you know, literally if you watched King Richard, like just all they had to do just to be able to train to play tennis as black girls from, from Compton. We're not talking about even being pros, but as black girls from Compton, like just trying to train, you know, the impact of their father, the mother, the sisters, like everybody chipping in to make them great. And then, you know, to, to see that Serena's been playing this uh, this tournament for over 20 years. And she won this thing at 19 and you had her with the braids and you see her daughter there, Olympia with the braids and the beads. And then the, the, the poetry of beads to diamonds in her hair. I mean, there was so much damn poetry. And then you look at those throwback pictures of like Serena when she won the first time and she is a lean, mean machine. And me as a woman, I'm also seeing Serena who is um, 40 and a, a thicker version of herself, like and still moving geez. about on the court, like golly, man, I was like, this against is a twenty-five-year-olds, yeah. Let me tell you, I there, it's it was really inspirational. I know me and my girlfriends were sitting there, and it came up in our conversation, like this is a real woman, like on the court. That's and forty, like that. That is hard, like you know, like even thirty to go and compete against a twenty-two, Ross, and twenty-five. And, and add to that, she expected to win. She wasn't like, oh, I'm going to go see what I could do with these young girls. I was like, I'm, one thing I took about her interview when she beat the number two, she's like, I am Serena. You know, let's I not forget Serena. that. I was like, yo, talk today. She said what she said. She said Serena what she said. With a lot of grace, actually, because the first time she didn't hear her, she was like, were you surprised? She was like, what? And then she was like, were, were you surprised? And she gave her a look like, and then it was like, and I actually think it was a very cute, sweet, and right. graceful. Uh, I'm just Serena. And everybody like, was like, true. <laughs> it wasn't even mean. It was like, I'm just Serena. Yo, that's how we got to leave this one. She's right. just Serena. She we out. Serena. And you, point blank. You, yes, sir. Been. We out of here.